welcome back to episode 22 of Vantage Point, where the vantage is the point. I'm Troy Jennings, an actor, teacher, and content creator. And I'm Aaron Pope, a connector, cultural specialist, and Bible enthusiast. On this podcast, we share our viewpoints in a way that adds value to your life and encourages you to be the best version of yourself. And here we are. We thank you all for joining us for last week for the premiere of season two. And we are excited to be back with you all again for another episode. So today we're going to be talking about the movie Respect, the new movie, of course, that chronicles the life of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. And this movie was a long time in the making. And we were so excited to be able to see this in the theaters recently, of course, Starring as the Queen of Soul herself, Aretha Franklin, was Jennifer Hudson, Sky Dakota Turner. She played the younger version of Aretha. We have Forrest Whitaker, who played the Reverend C.L. Franklin, the father of Aretha Franklin. Audra McDonald played Barbara Franklin, Aretha Franklin's mother. And also Marlon Wayans was in there, too. He played Ted White, who was Aretha Franklin's husband. This was a really interesting interesting movie. You know, there was also a version called Genius, I believe, on Hulu, which was a miniseries that chronicled the life of Aretha Franklin. So it was exciting to to see this, especially that Aretha had said at one point that she wanted Jennifer Hudson to be able to play her. And Aretha Franklin is so prolific. So many of us know about her work. So many of us know about her activism. So it was really great to be able to see this movie and to see them play, uh, pay homage to such a great figure in uh, American, really in the world history. She impacted so many people, not just within the United States, but outside of the United States as well. And it's interesting to see how things come full circle. It is, uh, said that Jennifer Hudson sang one of her songs as an audition for American Idol, which is what launched her career. Yeah. You know, back in the day when I watched American Idol, I do think I recall her audition and what it must be like to years later now be playing the person who you looked up to and who inspired you as an artist. And I think, you know, the movie is called Respect. I think one of the things I can feel is that the people who made the movie had a great respect and a reverence for Aretha Franklin, and they wanted to do the best job they possibly could. And music in general, but especially that kind of music, I grew up, I have a, you know, an old soul. Uh, this is the kind of music I, I grew up with. And I think, especially during the times we live in now, we need something um, uplifting like this. And I think ultimately the movie to me was very uplifting. And uh, it was interestingly enough that it started in her childhood. A shout out to Sky Dakota Turner, who played the younger version of Aretha. I think she did a great job. But a lot of what Aretha Franklin would face in her life based on this movie, it really was formed throughout the things that happened in her childhood. So it was good to be able to to start there. Don't you think so? Start there and just to see how um, things happen. And sometimes things transpire, particularly in church during the times. Yeah. You know, speaking of church, Aretha Franklin's father, the Reverend C.L. Franklin, quite a prolific person in uh, church history and uh, history of uh, America, very, very well connected. And we see in the beginning how, of course, Aretha Franklin was rooted in the church and how the Reverend C.L. Franklin, which is very connected to different people in society and how the movie started off with they would have different kinds of parties 
uh, at his house and they would oftentimes he would ask Aretha to come down and, you know, to sing to the guests that were in the house. I thought that was interesting. And one of the things that the movie kind of deals with is her gift and how it was not always necessarily her own to uh, to use. I like the one scene actually with her mother where she said she explained, you don't have to sing if you don't want to, because I think there was an aspect of it where she was trying to find her voice throughout the movie. It wasn't necessarily always there. She was really other people were speaking on behalf of her, which is ironic because she's known for the power of her voice. But yet other people were kind of the ones who were leading the way. And, you know, part of that is a product of the time in which she grew up in. And one of the things we have to understand during those times, a lot of the parties and events really did happen at pastors houses because that was during or one of the times where it was safe, where you could actually be OK and have fun and kind of let your hair down in a safe environment. And so it was interesting to see them showcase that um, the livelihood of pastors, um, the normalcy. Um, that pastors had during the time. And yes, he was very um, well-connected. C.L. Franklin, um, Reverend C.L. Franklin was known to be uh, on doing groundwork for civil rights while he was maintaining relationships with people like Martin Luther King and things like that. So he was able to do a lot, not just through the civil rights, but using his church as a platform. Yeah, I think churches, especially during that time period, they were definitely a, a platform more than just a house of worship, but it was really connected and it was the, the, the heartbeat and the pulse of the community to be able to decipher information and, and really rally people together. It was the, the place to um, the place to be. What did you think about the portrayal of Reverend C.L. Franklin in the movie? I think that there are some accurate ones, um, but I also think that there are some, you know, it's, it's got to be a movie. Um, but he is known to be a little um, stern, sure. And strategic. He's always kind of had a plan, always been a visionary, always kind of been uh, positioning himself to advance. And he is also known to make sure that he every opportunity he seized, which is why he could have pushed Aretha the way he did, or at least in the betrayal of the movie, the way he did. Yeah, I think one of the things I saw was that there was a love that was underlying everything that he did. There were a lot of challenging moments. I think, you know, one of the challenging moments were, uh, for me happened earlier on in the movie where Aretha Franklin's mother had passed away. And there was a scene not long after that where they're all at a table a couple weeks later into, you know, Aretha Franklin's birthday. And they're wanting her to like to put on a smile and be happy. And they were just adamant about, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to get over this, you know. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, Aretha was a product of her time, and so was the Reverend C.L. Franklin. A lot of um, men, especially back then, that was kind of that hard exterior. It came, I think, out of a place of love in the only way that maybe he knew how to do it. And, I, you know, I definitely think it seemed that uh, Aretha Franklin did appreciate what he, he gave to her. At some moments, I think, growing up were probably very challenging. Um, and she may not be able to have seen that at that time. But I think as is in life, sometimes we may not understand everything our parents may do when we're younger. But when we get to a different place, we can say, OK, they gave me the best of what they had at that particular time. And ultimately, I'm grateful for uh, their contribution in my life. And I think that that was um, Aretha's experience. And learning how to grieve and tools to grieve. That's new. 
that kind of information and knowledge is new. And so I would suggest that they were doing the best that they could with what they had. Um, Some was extreme, some was not, but they didn't know how to deal with grief. It was, you know, get over it and get right back to things because in their mind or at the time it was suggested that if you can get back to work, you can get through it. And that's not always the case. But again, that understanding and that knowledge is newer information and giving people space to grieve and things. And then even as a pastor, one of the things that uh, I'm pretty sure he was very mindful of is uh, still being able to function and still being able to pastor. I think one of the things or one of the things that's disheartening is to watch people um, or watch people give pastors and leaders so much energy to where they forget that they can be normal. And you can tell, particularly in that scene, he's trying to get her to push through so he can get to, you know, so he can have a certain kind of appearance and things can look normal. Yeah. You know, it was a frustration wanting her to push through. And then I think also he said, you know, I need you to get it together because this Sunday you're going to go to church and you're going to sing. <laughs> and like you said, I think that's one of the things, these kind of therapeutic tools, you know, what was therapy back then? You know, you you push through it. And um, that's a product of that particular kind of time. And now we have more tools about the grief process. And uh, one of the things I liked about the portrayal of Aretha in the movie is the demure quality that she had as Jennifer Hudson, you know, portrayed her that we, as we seen, you know, I've seen a lot of interviews with her as she got older, she seemed very outspoken, very kind of like very firm, but the movie kind of showed, you know, it took her a while to get to that place where she had uh, her voice. And one of the things that's interesting is that um, her father in the movie, and I think someone else did as well, they refer to that demon a lot of the problems that she had as that demon. Oh, there goes that demon again. <laughs> and sometimes I think we'll, we'll do that. We'll put off something that really could be within us to be able to change. We'll put it on the devil or demon when it's actually something that we just need to confront. Not that it's a demon, but it's a trauma or a wound that we have to now actually confront it in order to get to a place of um, healing. I would agree. And I'll say that that's the important part of it. It's the dealing with the trauma. It's not that it's a demon all the time. It's a trauma that's causing this. A lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times when we have moments where um, we are acting out or we are doing something by way of, you know, proclivities or something else we want to try to do or something we do um, to self-soothe, if you will. A lot of times it's not for a thing as much as it is a trauma that's connected to it. And that's how we deal with the trauma of it and not, and that's how it shows up in our life. And I think that they were calling the effects of her trauma, a demon. And it wasn't necessarily that had they handled the trauma that she experienced at a young age, a lot of that could have been different. Yeah. And, you know, definitely a lot of trauma, not only her mother passing away, but you know, she was sexually violated and that was kind of kept under wraps. I think she was pregnant at, at, at what age? 12, 12. Yeah. Uh, huge. <laughs> that's that's huge. Uh, the sexual violation in and of itself and to be basically told to be silent about it. Don't talk about it. You know, what happens in this house stays in this house. And we talked about that last season. You know, we and the black community, we are very famous for saying something like that, whether it's spoken or unspoken. You know, you don't bring our business outside of this, this house and, and what m- that must do to a young child to feel like the people in my life who were supposed to be there for me 
maybe they didn't fight for me or they didn't give me permission to be safe. I didn't feel safe. I can only imagine that you probably don't feel safe if that kind of thing uh, transpires. And I think one interesting theme is when you don't heal the wounds of your past or if your childhood, that's going to just keep repeating later on in life. And, and there's this one scene where the uh, the movie kind of shifts where we have the younger version of Aretha and then it you know transforms into the uh, older version played by Jennifer Hudson. But that wounded little girl is still present through most of the movie. And what may outwardly appear to be anger or bitterness or insecurity, that's really that young girl who never had that voice and didn't feel like people um, fought for her. And so uh, I think that's so synonymous to what we can often go through. You know, if you show me an adult who has challenges and who has insecurity or who has anger to the outside world, I'll show you someone who probably has wounds from childhood that they haven't really addressed, uh, sometimes because they were told it wasn't appropriate to do so. So I think the movie did a good job of really saying that this is underlaying what we may see when she uh, became an adult. What were some things that you liked in the movie? Um, I, I like the general transformation um, of just her wanting to do her craft um, and just wanting to sing. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that it was exciting for her, though she went through moments where she wrestled with her gifting per se because of you know the passing of her mom and a number of other things. She got to a place in her career where she just wanted to sing and she got the opportunity and um, Reverend C.L. Franklin helped, you know, culture that opportunity and she went with it and she was just passionate to be doing something. I felt that to be exciting to watch um, because that's something I guess I would have loved to see um, in person, uh, just the energy, um, particularly when we talk about artists and their work ethic and just how much they give and how much they uh, put into their art. Um, so that was a good scene to see. Um, a lot of the songs that she sang, um, one of the interesting um, notes that were given from Marlon Wayans on his interview at the Breakfast Club was that when it came to Jennifer Hudson's singing scenes, she was actually singing each one live, that it was a, a live take and they would go back and do some other things. But she was actually singing and what, you know, he was saying or explaining to watch her continue to give 100 percent every time was amazing. And I believe it because, you know, we all know she's got a voice. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because when I was watching it, I felt like she was singing live because oftentimes when you have musicals or if you have movies where someone is singing, they'll be singing to a track. Even if it's that person, they'll put a, a track that they're singing to. But I think it definitely adds authenticity when you actually sing live. And, you know, it's great that Jennifer Hudson is a, a great singer. So she got to really interpret and make the songs um, her own. And, and I think it's a it's a difficult thing to do a movie that's chronicling someone's life, a real life figure. One, because we all know what Aretha Franklin sounded like, how she sang, how she talked. We know how she moved. So we are automatically going to be glued in like, okay, that's accurate. That's not accurate because we have something to compare it to. I don't know if it's something that I would want to undertake, you know, as an actor or even as a, uh, as a director, because there's also a challenge of 
you want to make sure that the story and the narrative is authentic and that it's compelling and not make it into a highlight reel. So I'm just going scene by scene and showing you all of the songs and the highlights of the person's life. But actually, the narrative is actually still strong. Um, I think for me, my favorite movie that uh, chronicles someone's life would have to be Spike Lee's Malcolm X. I think it's a powerful film and it's really well done. So even if I didn't know about Malcolm X, I'd say, oh, wow, that's a great that's a great film. The acting, the directing, uh, you know, we have other ones too, like uh, what's love got to do with it with um, Angela Bassett, you know, another, another great one. And I think this one was, um, I think this one was well done. I, I think so too. And what, one of the things I also liked about it is we forget how talented Aretha Franklin really was. She played, you know, she became a producer. She did a lot of things that we underestimate um, when it comes to talent and singing and particularly new age talent. She was a full circle artist. And I think that's impressive. Yeah, she definitely was a full circle artist, a very talented. You know, she played the piano skillfully. She knew the notes. She knew how it was supposed to sound. And her she got great ground by growing up in the church. I think that's great ground for any kind of singer to be able to go with the flow and uh, just it, it really helps improve your your singing chops, I think. I will say also, I don't want to call her a diva, but I believe it. <laughs> I believe that there's a strong presence about her, a very commanding presence. One of the particular scenes I go back to is just her being in the studio um, with the all white band and sitting on the piano and knowing what she wanted, the sound she wanted, the how it was supposed to be and just leading, taking the lead to guide to get the sound that she wanted. Uh, just that commanding of the presence and I know what I want. I'm not just a artist, you know, and I just sing. I, I know the sound I want, especially when she got the opportunity to actually uh, weigh in on things like that. Yeah, she was a real artist. I'm not just here to sing, but I'm here to give the the full circle of things. I know how I want my sound and I'm able to improvise. I like the scene where, you know, they showed her doing respect and how it kind of morphed into the song that we came to know. Um, and I, I'm always just impressed by musicians who really are just skilled at playing by ear and can just really go with the flow. I think that's a great thing. Also, um, shout out to um, Carolyn Franklin, uh, who was one of the, uh, uh, was it Carolyn, who was the writer, um, who helped write songs with her and help her do some work um, as far as the songs that she sang and develop the songs that she had cultivated for a lot of her albums and a lot of her work. Um, it was interesting to watch her work with her sisters and just the ups and downs of working with family was interesting to watch. Yeah, it definitely was an interesting dynamic. And, um, you know, also she was connected to the Reverend James Cleveland. And I think that was um, a really dynamic relationship as well. Earlier in the movie, I know that he was trying to encourage her <laughs> and basically said that music will always get you through. But I liked uh, later in the movie that she had the the question that she posed to him. I, you know, I know you said music will always get me through, but what if it doesn't? And I think that um, her gift wasn't enough to be able to heal that, that trauma that she had to confront it head on. And I do like that transformation that she um, had as the movie progressed. I also like the push. She definitely pushed to have nine albums and no number ones is mind blowing. And then after what feels like a stint of a career, 
your career blows up out of nowhere. It must be an awesome opportunity to having stuck with it, see things kind of finally pay off. Yeah, sometimes it takes time. You really have to be uh, committed and dedicated to it. It's not an overnight success. I think she talked about that um, as she got older, that in today's music industry that you couldn't have an overnight success. But back then they kind of, they really put in the work, the hard work that was required to to get to a certain kind of uh, place. I also like, just her ability to um, show sides of her. There were a lot of sides we did get to see that she never, uh, we can speak to her being private. We can always speak to her being private because there is always a private scene where you see her in one place and then she turns it right off and does what she has to do to get through the moment. But to see how private she was and to maintain that and want to maintain that, um, and push through some of the things that she was actually going through that a lot of people had no idea about and or were, like you said, swept under the rug. It's just interesting how we think we know a person or how they show up is how we always expect them to be. And that may not be the case behind closed doors. And so it was interesting to watch how they navigated through some of the things that she went through in her life delicately, but still navigated through through the movie. Yeah, you know, I think especially during the era that she grew up grew up in that it was easier for a well-known figure to maintain some sense of privacy. They didn't have a TMZ and cameras out everywhere, you know. It I was argue that it can be harder for some people in today's world. But I, I do like that she always wanted to maintain that privacy. Like my health is not your business. You know, I'm here to be a singer first and foremost. And, you know, that's my profession. I take it seriously. You all don't need to have access to every part of my life. And I think that's important too, to have something that you can still maintain for yourself, that not, not everything is open for the public to be able to consume about me. And it's just um, enough because I, the end of the day, you are just that an artist. You are, you know, a, a gift, a talent. And sometimes there is a well, not sometimes, but there is always a person attached to that. But um, one of the things we talked about last season was everybody can't handle every version of you or don't want every version of you. Um, and so it's interesting to watch artists give every version of themselves, particularly in times now, and then get mad and hostile when people give feedback or say things about the things that they say and the things that they do. Um, and it's a version of your life that people don't want or don't readily receive. They just want their work. They want the talent. They want the songs. Um, they don't want your views on how you see the world or things like that and knowing how to maintain those things and still show up a certain way and be okay with that. Yeah, I think for artists, one of the difficulties is if you want to evolve, because some people want you to stay as they met you. They don't want you to evolve. They don't want your sound to evolve. They don't want you now to say, you know, I went from singing about love and pop music and now I'm talking about politics, you know. And, you know, some people will leave because they they just wanted that one version. Some people are going to say, hey, I just I love your voice. I love what you got to say, you know, regardless of if you evolve into to something else. And so, um, yeah, it's just a level of maturity because you got to accept that, you know, some people just may not be with you for the, the long term. They just want a certain version of you. And that's why I think it's so interesting. You know, in 1972, she did something groundbreaking with the Amazing Grace 
album, which was actually the biggest selling album of her career. And that was a huge risk for her because she had been known for all these great hits up until that point. And then for this to be one of the number one albums, I mean, who would have guessed that that would be that album? <laughs> it was ahead of its time. It was a, a live, live, good church album uh, with a good church sound. Um, it's just interesting that she struggled with the release of it and things that were attached to it because it's one of, I get why it's one of her, you know, well, is her number one album. It's authentic. It's something refreshing. It's a sound about, you know, that album to me that it's, it, it screams down home church. And yeah. You can't, you can't do that in the studio. You can't do that in some churches now. It, you can hear, you know, just a down-home church and a down-home sound that's just refreshing, particularly for the time and just the energy she put behind it. You can hear that it's not just the song. And that's kind of what makes church music different. It's not just the song. Yeah, I often think, especially for, you know, for gospel music, but in, in this case with Amazing Grace, which actually for me is one of my favorite works from her as well, that live sound is just so authentic. And I don't think it could have been produced in a studio the same, you know, it, it's just something about it that's so, so raw and so visceral. And, you know, the movie kind of ends at that particular kind of point when this album was, um, was released, but I think it's, uh, I saw where they were going with it because it's kind of coming back home because her roots were in the church, you know, it was in, in gospel music and, you know, she loved the Lord and, and that was ultimately the, the place that they chose to, to end it in. But, um, what'd you think about that? I thought it was good to end it there. Um, I only wanted one particular scene to be added and that's just because of the story behind it. And that would be her, um, stepping in and the 1998 Grammys where she stepped in for Pavarotti who became ill at last minute and sung, um, Nisum Doma, which literally means translated a moment's notice. And <laughs> they give her this long standing ovation and it's, it was, I think that's a moment where, again, her life became full circle because had it not been for her earlier works and her exposure to those things and just being able to understand the song, interpret the song um, and apparently do it, not even do it in her key <laughs> um, was just an opportunity that I wish was attached to the movie because of um, I guess I'm more attached to that side of the history of Aretha Franklin and just her earlier but later works before she um, passed so i do wish that was incorporated because it was just so much to that moment it was a huge deal yeah that definitely was a great moment and just watching it i think she got a one minute standing ovation after which was awesome and it just really spoke to her versatility as well and the um the Hulu series Genius, the last episode of that, they do showcase that moment as well. And I haven't seen all of that one, but I, I do want to go back and watch um, those episodes as well, just to see kind of what their their take is. And it's, it's really interesting. We talk about art. You can have so many different angles that you approach something in. Um, but uh, was there anything else about this particular movie you, uh, you had? Um, it was interesting to see Marlon Wayne's attempt a serious role uh i think that there are uh there's much excitement when you work with some people who you know want to show up differently and so it's exciting to watch him show up differently and still you know be available and 
he did his role for the part he can do. And that was just exciting to watch um, people kind of step into lanes, new lanes um, in their career and how they navigate things. Um, it's also good to see um, Forrest Whitaker still doing things. Uh, it seems like the older generation get more jobs than the young folks because right. they are in everything. And so that was exciting to watch. Um, what I also, um, I won't say it was an issue, but having heard Reverend C.L. Franklin's preaching, it would have been kind to slip in a soundbite or two from him um, just because he is somebody's preacher. Well, somebody's preacher. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a great um, reverence that they had for her overall. And um, yeah, I do think it was well done. I think it, you know, only chronicled up into a certain point of, uh, of her life, but I think that, you know, they accomplished what they, they set out for. And I know the family was, was more so behind this than they were um, the other version genius the thing that kept echoing to me in the movie was finding your own voice, uh, being true and authentic to who you are in spite of everything else. And I think that it did a good job of, uh, of showcasing that. And it was also good to see um, them showcase uh, just the connection and the role she played, particularly with civil rights and things like that. I think a lot of that uh, philanthropy work and just her activism, it has been not so much overshadowed, but, underlooked at times because she was actually really having some major conversations about change uh, for women and, you know, for black people in general and just her push forward to always kind of stay connected to rights and what we deserved sometimes uh, is overshadowed by the work of her music. But it was good that they uh, incorporated that in the movie and just some pockets where she speaks to why it was important to her. Yeah, and I do think sometimes that aspect of her may be overlooked. So it was good that they did highlight that. One of my favorite scenes actually was when she sang uh, Precious Lord. I think it was at uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's service. And uh, that scene was just so, so moving to watch. I think she really just channeled a great depth of emotion right there. I think that's one of my favorite uh, parts. What's uh, one of your favorite parts of the movie? One of my favorite parts um, in the movie is, uh, I guess I'll speak to it again. It's one that I mentioned earlier, just um, how they unravel um, a song and how she works with the, her sister to create this song, quote unquote, on the spot. And just how they function and work together and just to see the excitement behind the music and how things are formulated and how real good music just comes to be. It can't be forced. It can't be, you know, it was just a cool moment to watch people do what they do and see how that happens. So I enjoyed that scene in particular. Yeah. I think the whole process of how something artistic, like a song comes together is always a fascinating process to work, uh, to watch. And oftentimes it is through improvisation, which is playing around and proving in the studio. And then something great comes out of that. And uh, I did enjoy those moments where we get to see um, her process and her, Evolution. So I do think, you know, it's a good movie overall to to check out. I think I definitely learned a lot more about her, especially during her younger years and then her involvement in the civil rights era as well. So um, I would say, you know, check it out. Yes, definitely learned a lot more about who she was, her career, the things that she did. Um, I would also say uh, check it out again. I will speak to what you spoke to earlier, and that is I think it's harder or easier rather to critique when. Uh, you know the people. And so I can see that um, being 
a thing that people may wrestle with when they see it, but definitely go see it. I will also take the time to shout out Mary J. Blige, who I think did an exceptional job. Um, with yeah, I think the, she played Dinah Washington, right? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. She did a great job. Um, and she's evolving, and it's cool to watch um, people step in again into different lanes and phases of their life. Um, and just the takeaways of, of for me is we never know what people are doing just to showcase talent, the giftings that come behind the songs that we like. Uh, uh, sometimes have real traumatic stories behind them, and which is why we got to be careful how we kind of deal with people and function with people because we never know what they're actually going through to be as great as they are. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Mary J. Blige, you know, one of the things we always joke about about her is her best work is when she was in pain or <laughs> she was uh, going through some kind of suffering. But, you know, that's often the case with artists. Uh, you know, out of pain is oftentimes born something great. And uh, even with Aretha, we we do see that, that maybe part of the reason she was so great is because she experienced a great deal of pain in her life, but she was able to turn it into something positive, which ultimately I think is the... Um, the reward that you can turn it around. So we do thank you all for listening to our vantage points today and definitely go and check out respect. It's currently playing in theaters right now. We hope you found value in our conversation and we'll be back with you all on next Tuesday. Stay connected to us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for the name of our platform, our father's table. Any questions, comments, or show ideas can be sent to vantagepointpod at gmail.com. Before we go, it's time for Fields of Vision, the segment of the show where we highlight a quote or text to help encourage and inspire you. Keep looking for your voice. You will find it. The Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin. And that does it for us here today at Vantage Point. I'm Troy Jennings. And I'm Aaron Pope. We thank you for joining us and look forward to you joining us again on next Tuesday. Until we meet again, friends, be well.